Hey, I'm Erin Bagwell. And I'm Diana Matthews. Welcome to Feminist Wednesday's Beaver Talk, the podcast where we give Hollywood unsolicited advice about feminism. In our world, the best way to rock a red carpet is to arrive by boat. Blake Lively's bespoke pantsuits are the only thing I'm wearing this fall. And we issue a formal apology to Lady Gaga because we are all in on A Star is Born. Join us as we deep dive into all the things that fire us up about film and television. The glorious, the misogynistic, and the groundbreaking. This is Beaver Talk. We're sorry, Lady Gaga <laughs> and Bradley Cooper. <laughs> oh, and Bradley gets <laughs> and an Anthony apology. Anthony Ramos oh, and wow, Dave Chappelle. Wow, 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 wow. I need to atone for not being on board with A Star is Born, and I am now fully so excited for this movie. What changed your mind? Um, I think it just kind of became undeniable for me that this is a moment for Lady Gaga. And as a fan of hers, to see her promoting it at Venice, to see her promoting it in Toronto, I was just like, this is so cool and yeah. I'm so happy for her and I just you know it feels better to be positive than it does to be negative and that's where I'm at you know what I felt you know nervous also about it but two things she says that it was the greatest creative venture of her career which what a what a mic drop to say from a woman like Lady Gaga who's oodles of creativity She's everywhere done some stuff yeah and then when they gave her that standing ovation and she cries I mean come on She's she's being very seen and it's incredible and she should be celebrating it. And if nothing else, we are celebrating this journey. Yeah. Right now with her. I feel like so the first time I watched the trailer, my eyes rolled out of my head at Bradley Cooper and his stupid tacky accent. And like I was just watching it, hating every minute of it. It reminded me of Ben Affleck and Argo. It reminded me of Crazy Heart, which is a movie I absolutely loathe. I, it felt like a blend between Glitter with Mariah Carey and Crazy Heart with Jeff Bridges. And I was like, I hate, I mean, both of those movies are atrocious, so this can't be good. What a weird uh, correlation. Why? Glitter is like all about this like rising star and like Crazy Heart's about an old down and trodden country singer. I guess Glitter is such a random reference, I think, just to make in general. But okay, I'm with you. It felt that way. I haven't seen Glitter in a long time. Oh my God, good. That movie should never see the light of day again. But um, my journey with the trailer, because it's playing in front of every movie now that you go see, I was like rolling, went from rolling my eyes to being all on board to sobbing and like being so on board with it and mm-hmm. so excited. And when like her voice swells in the trailer, her I'm voice. just like, <gasps> yeah, I got to eat my words. I'm excited. Yeah, and I'm excited too. to talk about it with you. Well, I was, you know what it is like with Ben Affleck when he directed Argo. I was like, is this going to be his project? Like, is it going to be an ego thing? I was nervous about Bradley Cooper stepping into this realm. And it just seems like he was a pleasure to work with. Everybody was on board creatively. The culture he created on set. I mean, when Anthony Ramos was like, oh, he's going to be one of the greatest directors of our time. And he told that to Spike Lee, who is one of the greatest directors of our time. I was like, are we kidding here? Like, what happened on this set? It sounds like it was just really a joy. Well, I mean, they're doing a great job of like building this up to be such a huge thing. I know, but I think there's a diff. I mean, that's a heavy thing to say. Yeah, I think I think there's a little bit of a love story they're playing into here of just like him entering into the directing space, her being such a movie star and like, I'm here for it. I think it's going to be fun. Well, fingers, toes, belly buttons crossed. I mean, this is I mean, we really I'm nervous. We'll see. And I'm going to have to go for like a cocktail or something before I sit down to watch this movie. Sedate yourself a bit. I'm just going to have to go in managing expectations. I don't want to go into it expecting to love it. And I don't want to be sour grapes about it. Willem and Shangela from Drag Race are going to be in it. So I already know I'm going to like it. Yeah. And we've decided we're not seeing it together, which is kind of heartbreaking. Well, I'm going to be out of town. You're going to be out of town. I know. We're both just not in the island. Well, I guess we'll have to break our rule. We'll do some texting about it, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, oh and then gosh. we got to watch all the other versions. So it'll be lots to talk about. Yeah. We got to get into Judy and Barbara. Betty's and... go back and watch all the other ones if yeah. you want to. And prep for that episode. Or if make not, sure. we'll just do it for you. Yeah. We'll fall really. on that cross. You can just give us the notes. Um, Amazing. How's it going? How, like, I feel like you have a thousand things to say on this episode. I feel like there's just a lot of rando stuff that's happening in the news. Lead on. 
There's a lot of depressing stuff happening in the news. Oh, we're doing a news update? I mean, I always just write down stuff that I absorb or hear or think that's notable that our audience should, you know, be aware of. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I'm I'm feministing my Wednesday, as they say, because I'm getting into a text battle with my father about what's happening on the Supreme Court. Yeah. Having a little bit of a back and forth uh, about believing women and what this poor woman has to go through to, uh, uh-oh, Diana... Your thoughts on this are really interesting, actually. I'd love for you to tell people what your thoughts are about Dr. Ford coming forward and talking about the sexual assault accusations from high school against Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah. So, I mean, for starters, she is incredible. And she's, I mean, I, it's like, what do you say? Like, this is like such an incredible thing for a woman to own her truth so powerfully in such a public way, in such a scary way. Mm-hmm. Um, to go because you're not only going against him, you're going against society. Like you're going against government. You're going against Republicans, Democrats alike. Like and the media, really. And the media. Like there's just to take this stand is truly the, one of the bravest things I've seen in recent memory. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my feeling about it is he's absolutely going to get nominated. Yeah. And what was the plan here? is I think my question of like, I just see women, you know, we've seen this time and time again of like women standing up and owning their truth and speaking truth and men facing absolutely no consequences and women having to live with this regardless. And I think her safety is threatened. Um, You know, everybody knows what she looks like. Everybody knows who she is. Like, it's just such a public proclamation. And I, I just worry, like, how much are women taking on as a threat to their well-being. Right. And why? And I'm not saying that you shouldn't. I'm not saying that it's not important. What I'm saying is, what is the plan? Where do we hope this goes? What systems of support are in place? Because it's a very big deal to do this. And I mean, I want to be able to say that, (laughs) I want to be able to say that he's not going to get appointed and that you know, this change that this is going to be a watershed moment, you know, in our world, that's what it would be. But we don't live in our world all the time. Can I ask you kind of a dark question? Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry to jump right in on Beaver Talk here, (laughs) people. I was like, I have like such exciting things on my paper and I'm like, oh, man, here, let's do it. Um, Do you think the the energy and the aura of believing women from the Me Too movement is over? I mean, I, I think it, it never, it was an uphill fight from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I think that, what does it look like to believe women? What does it mean to believe women? What does it feel like to believe women? Because I know f- that from the very beginning, I mean, this didn't start with Me Too. It didn't start, you know, a year ago with Harvey Weinstein. But I do think that we, there was this watershed moment of people believing women and us getting on board and believing victims and being open and being like really championing even in the media, the side of women. And I feel like now that we're going after the big guns, it's like, no, 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 ladies. Like we're, that's your places. You might have it in Hollywood or you might be able to talk about the tech industry, but to come after real institutional power, sit back down. I think people don't know what to do. I think, I think we have no concept of how to deal with these situations. And I think the sit back down sentiment has always been there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that now it's happening at, well, not now. I, I don't even want to say it's like happening now with Brett Kavanaugh. But um, I think people are just like, well, like, what are we going to do? There's a big difference between believing women and actually doing something about what they're saying. Right. The consequences. Pressing charges, having consequences, doing more than just taking away their TV show or their position, like actually pursuing criminal charges for criminal acts is a very big difference. It starts with believing women and it starts with taking women seriously and giving them the support that they need in order to, um, you know, feel like they can come forward when something happens to them. But it also, I mean, how, how chicken and egg do you want to get with it? Like, looking at why things happen to women and why sexual assault and sexual harassment and patriarchy are the water in which we swim. Um, 
I think that I just see women coming forward and I, I worry like about where this is all going and what women are sacrificing in order to have these moments, you know? Yeah, I hear you. But I think in a way, too, you know, we saw historically with Anita Hill that these moments also break through on such a normative level of the day-to-day. I mean, Anita Hill is the reason we have workplace sexual harassment laws Mm -hmm. to begin with. So, you know, obviously the safety and the well-being and the emotional labor, I think, of going forward with an accusation like this, you know, is, is damning and will ruin her for the rest of her life, I think. Um, but also is such a, I mean, I've been seeing all the memes about how this is like the most patriotic thing, you know, this woman could do is to be and to tell her truth. And cause really we're all going to benefit eventually. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the hope. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, this is, and I think this that's is why a, this you, is what you it is. D- you'd make a choice like that is to right. know that it's going to benefit the greater hold good people accountable or it's, that maybe we can break through and someone can listen like, <laughs> we're having this so did this disconnect of like uh you know we believe to your point we believe the women we're gonna listen to them we're gonna give them a platform are we gonna do anything about it and the answer is well, what do we do <sighs> and like and well, are they gonna do anything and are they gonna do anything and, and when are they gonna do something and right i uh maybe the time is now oh man yeah it's I'd like it's to see Anita Hill sit right next to her during that hearing. Wouldn't that be something else? I, it's going to happen. Oh. I manifest. I mean, how could it not? And I'm sure they're working very closely with her on, because it's such a paralleled mm-hmm. um, case, obviously. Yeah. And Clarence Thomas, I think, is coming back into question for pe- more women have coming forward with sexual harassment charges. So I think his head is also on the chopping block. Yeah. I mean... I just feel this huge, I feel like a little bit of a crazy person these days because we hear stats like 40% of millennial women don't identify as feminist. And then we have what's happening uh, with Ford and, you know, discussions of Anita Hill coming back and all that kind of thing. And you see the women doing amazing things to speak truth to power. And then we have this like huge disconnect about like, well, we're not actually going to do anything about it. It's like, is it enough to just speak your truth or is it actually men have to... suffer consequences for what they're doing yeah where's the change gonna come where's the change gonna come where's the where's the progress where are laws gonna come into place where are the protections gonna come into place um and fundamentally how are we going to change the code of beliefs and the way that we treat one another because that's what it comes down to yeah just a few small questions on your fast (laughs) wednesday I know. It's crazy. There's a lot happening. We can talk about uh, so many other things because there's so much, you know, on our docket. But I did want to talk about that because I feel like it's in the way that Harvey Weinstein felt this heaviness in our culture. I'm feeling this about Mm -hmm. what's happening right now with these hearings. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So I think it's important to note. We have it in our feeds. We have it in our hearts. We're having conversations about it all well, the time. Well, it's interesting. I feel like I've been avoiding it. And then I was like, oh, I really need to like have an idea. I need to, because I feel like you hear things and you see things and it's like, and I feel um, lucky. I'm, I follow a couple of women who have been to DC and who have interrupted the proceedings and I've been getting some live stream feeds, which have been incredible. Um, but really my mom and my dad got into a fight yesterday about it. And I was like, oh, I need to educate myself so I can jump in here <laughs> and this and 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 especially to give my father a lot of perspective about how hard it would be to come forward and I I keep coming back to the idea of the emotional labor and you know the reason that I never have never pressed charges against any of my accusers is because I don't want to mm-hmm. and I don't want to go through that emotional labor and I don't want to be a villain or or get sued or you know have to deal with someone's fan I don't want to Mm-hmm. It's not my prerogative. I've suffered enough and I'm not taking that on. And I think to be able to have the courage and the bravery to be able to come forward uh, is uh, superhuman. And uh, we need to give these women all the space in the world, which culturally we don't identify. And I know we've talked about this before. It's like people see these women as numbers or as these, you know, pieces of like names in a newspaper. They're people's uh, daughters and wives and mothers. These are humans. How do we get people on board with understanding that this is someone's life that we're dealing with? And I think that's something I'd love to see more in the media is having the gravity of taking women's lives seriously. Mm-hmm. 
not only media, lawmakers, police, uh, you know, the list goes on. I mean, it's now is not the time to sleep. And I think that this is all making this is making everyone extremely drained, especially women. When I say everyone, I mean women. It's making all of us drained. It's making us emotional. It's very um, heavy day in and day out. But now is not the time to roll away, as Amy Poehler would say. It's the time to get involved and whatever that looks like for you, whether that's writing, whether that's, you know, listening to podcasts, you know, self-care is a huge part of this. Um, But find those women. Maybe it's just one other woman that you can have these conversations with and lean on and, and come together. Don't don't retreat is I think what I would suggest for all of us. I found over the past week, you know, my mom has reached out, my friends have reached out. Um, and I realize like, I'm lucky in that. And if you don't have that, you know, reach out to us. We're always, we're always here. And I think that that's the biggest thing I would say, don't sleep on it, but make sure that you are feeling supported and loved in, in this time. For sure. Well, I will say, I mean, you know, this is something that obviously people of color have had to deal with in institutionalized ways in so many facets. Um, And I think something really incredible that's happened in the last couple of weeks is this Nike ad with Colin Kaepernick Mm -hmm. and the joy that I felt when I saw, you know, him being championed by a global brand and for them to push the Black Lives Matter movement and uh, and these conversations and even with the NFL, I mean, what a turning point and what a marker. And I've always felt like Colin Kaepernick is like a Martin Luther King Jr. in the making. Like mm-hmm. he's going to go down in our history books as someone who really championed and and used his place of privilege on that field to say, I'm going to stand for something bigger than myself. I'm going to sacrifice what I have for something else. Um, and bravo to Nike for for showing up and for putting money behind him. Yeah. Oh, my God, I just I can't get over it. I love it so much. It's incredible. And, and you know, Obama talks about this a lot. And Martin Luther King talks about this. Change is not a straight line. It's a push and a pull and a give and a take. And we have huge wins like Colin Kaepernick with Nike. And then we have moments that are maybe not so great. And I think that the point they it's just important to celebrate those wins when we have it and stay working in the moments that aren't as celebratory. Um, but yeah, it's a. Uh, it's really up and down right now. It's very intense. The highs are very high and the lows are extremely low. Yeah. Um, well, what are the things you've been watching or getting into? Anything uh, Anything taking your mind off it? Any, yeah. Uh, we got some stuff going on. Any guilty pleasures that are happening? Um, I have a big guilty pleasure that I actually need to extend a thank you to you for. Really? Bringing it to my attention, which is great news. Oh, boy. <laughs> Great news is a show on Netflix, and the premise is that this woman who's like 30 years old is working as a producer at a TV company and or a TV station, and her mother, oh my God, played by Andrea Martin, who is a gift to this universe, um, takes an internship and starts working with her, and I love it. It is exactly what I need right now in like my post wedding news is crazy haze that I'm currently in, and I. I'm just living for it. It's it's like cheese pizza. It's like the easiest thing. Yes. Demands nothing of you. May I say cute. something though critical about this show? Yeah. I I think I think the mother daughter dynamic is phenomenal. I feel like it's just a cast of white people though. Yeah. It. I mean, it's, it almost feels to me like a sitcom that was greenlit in the 2000s. Yeah. And now it feels dated. Yeah. And that's fine. It's yeah. like a dated premise to even have a producer working in a TV station. Like sure. the whole thing about it is dated. And I'm like, whatever. There are some things that I'm like, I that's just your, have to that's watch. That's your housewives. Yeah. You're going and it's in. like, I'm not even going to watch the full season probably because it's the same joke every single episode. But I'm yeah, like, yeah. to see it Andrea Martin to hear come Tina on. Fey's jokes though. Yeah. And to see Andrea Martin on screen is so incredible because she is, I mean, There's has been around There's a lot of body forever. shaming on that show too. As far as the jokes go. Yeah. I mean, it's not. It's not woke. It's no. not it's not following suit <laughs> no, to not. any of the TV that is now currently acceptable. And I'm kind of yeah. like, in that sense, it's like, is it's a what guilty it pleasure. is. Don't expect it to be anything. For and sure. it's like, I can't get mad at something for just being like tacky and easy. You know what I mean? Sure. Sometimes we need the easy. Yeah. Um, on the flip side of that, I saw Black Klansman. <laughs> I can't wait to see this movie. Is it just the best? phenomenal it is one it's so 
I really loved She's Gotta Have It. We talked about this on an earlier episode of Beaver Talk, but I really loved the Netflix reboot he did of it. Spike Lee. Yep. Um, but a lot of people didn't. And he hasn't been doing good work for a while now. And I was Ouch. really nervous. He hasn't. It's like he's really lost his like, like there's been a lot of back and forth about him and people are highly critical of him. And um, especially women are not supportive of a lot of what he does. Mm-hmm. And so I went into Black Klansman with a grain of salt, just kind of knowing like I haven't liked a lot of stuff for a while. And it's produced by Jordan Peele. And it is so, so powerful. It's amazing. Jordan Peele has found such a good, I mean, obviously doing the work, you know, his whole career and is a great star himself. But I feel like he's really found such a great lane. Yeah. Of being in the film industry. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for him. Yeah. it. Um, so it stars John David Washington, who, uh, and Adam Driver and Topher Grace. <laughs> and it's just like, I don't even want to like talk about it too much because there are just so many nuances in it that you really have to get in the film itself. Yeah. Um, but the performances are so thoughtful and so considered. The way that the story is told is very intentional. Um, and far more so than a lot of other Spike Lee movies I've seen, I feel like it just is so cohesive in what it is trying to say about America currently. Yeah. And the last three minutes of it are one of the most powerful pieces of filmmaking I've watched in a long time. Um, and I, we actually, I got super emotional at the end of it. And there are people who sat through the credits because it just hits you like a slug to the chest Right, right. at the end. It's very important to watch this film. And I hope that, I hope they do a big awards run with it because I think it needs to stay a part of the conversation. It needs to continue to get a lot of buzz and continue to get a lot of coverage. Um, but yeah, it's an accomplishment. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, I want to see it. My um, my brother-in-law saw, saw it and loved it and made that commentary that like, um, oh, everyone will like it, but then the ending really shows you like who you are. And we we were we chatted about it a little bit, but I was like, I don't want any spoilers, so like, don't talk to me anymore. Yeah, it's really like a how far are we going to take this, and how long are we going to ignore the little things that are happening until suddenly it becomes undeniable, and right. we have a huge problem on our hands. Well, so that'll do it. It's a big one. Um, how do you feel about Claire Foy's the girl with the dragon tattoo? Yeah, what? is this (laughs) (laughs) i saw a trailer for it and i was like are we just gonna keep revamping this till we find something that sticks well there was only one there's a swedish version then there's there's the rooney mara version yeah which they only did one of they didn't do the second one yeah like but why it just feels really unnecessary to me that we just like keep but maybe it's like a good thing the first one i I thought was great with rooney mara amazing yeah i loved it and your friend what's his name Daniel Craig. DC. <laughs> oh, our friend Daniel Craig. Yeah, he's in it. He's got those great glasses in it. Yes. Um, I don't know if I... I will probably go see it. I don't know if I have an opinion right I now. I like that Claire Foy's doing something a little bit different, and these movies are scary, yeah. and I hope I can go see it. What? When does it come out? I don't know. You'll be in motherhood at that point, and you'll be very sensitive. Or very hardened. <laughs> well, this is what, what happens is you stop being able to watch a bunch of stuff. I'll be in a cocoon. Yeah. Well, my brain will stop working, so who knows where I'll be. <laughs> um, we also both watched Like Father. Yes, we did. On Netflix, starring Kelsey Grammer and Kristen Bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I really liked this movie, and I was expecting to write it off. I agree. I thought it was fun. It's very cute. And also, I like the message it has to say about like corporate culture hmm. and how she's such a workaholic. The story is that Kristen Bell gets... Um, she doesn't get stood up at the altar, but her husband can't go through with the marriage at the altar. It's a big moment. And she ends up going on a cruise, which would have been her honeymoon, with her estranged father, who's played by Kelsey Grammer. And she can't stop working on the boat. She's, like, obsessed with this promotion that she's up for. Um, she's really, like, not present in trying to, like, make a relationship with him. Um, and I loved that, like, long story short she gets the promotion and has to go back to work and it's just like bullshit nothingness that she has to deal with they're like courting a chip brand that's like up in upstate new york that she has to go and like get signed to um at the expense of her dad going through like his own personal journey and his own 
you know, really hard time. And I kind of loved that it was like, I don't know. I think it's like that tale as old as time story of like, don't sacrifice that which doesn't really matter for the sake of that which does. Because it's like, we don't have a lot of time and parents age and things happen. And I liked it. Yeah, I thought, thought it was, it was good. Um, who's the guy that's that's uh, the big movie star that's in it? Seth Rogen. Yeah, I think his wife wrote and directed it. Yeah. I think this is her piece. It's amazing. And I thought she did a great job. And the piece about Alzheimer's in it, like they are both, they both testified in front of the Senate about Alzheimer's research. So it also raises awareness about that. I just thought it was very cute. For sure. Cute and emotional. I'm into it. Yeah. I liked it. I like Kristen Bell. Yeah, she's fun. She's very talented. She's doing this YouTube show about moms. And I was watching a lot of Ellen and Tiffany Haddish clips. <laughs> and then it kind of worked its way into watching a lot of clips about people giving birth and talking about it on TV. Oh, my God. And then phased into this um, Kristen Bell motherhood show where she's in the delivery room and she's talking about mom shaming. And um, I really just lightly glossed. But I'm, it looks good, too. That looks good. Into it. Amazing. Um, Bert and Ernie. I know. They're gay. Yeah, they had a First weird. First of all, congrats. But they also, it was kind of like weirdly handled. How so? In that Sesame Street, like, embraced it and then kind of slid back on it a bit of like, I think I think it Will sent they, a weird. They? Yeah, I think it sent like a weird message about, especially like to LGBTQ children and to LGBTQ youth that it's like, they aren't really owning it. They are, but they aren't. And the media coverage of it has been kind of like, well, we've speculated for years. And well, it's people like, are so homophobic. I think uh, it was so smart to do it and not have to talk about it. I, I guess if they, I didn't realize that they brought it up and then took it back. Well, they didn't really take it back. They it just was just kind of like it. in a, they were like, yeah, and then they're gay. And it was just kind of like brushed off. And like Dan Levy was talking about it on his Instagram story. And he was just kind of like, what the fuck? Like, celebrate this. There should be like a parade. There should be like, confetti balloons like well i think it just should be wrapped in love and instead it was kind of this like oh yeah and then we just like confirm what everybody's been speculating about it's just like oh the announcement you mean you thought was underwhelming and the media coverage was like super lame i think it's so fascinating though because i do feel like what a bold move to do of a program that's really we've has reached every person Mm -hmm. Um, and I kind of liked that they just Trojan horsed it in there and we're like, well, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. I hear you, though, that it, they could have now as we're, you know, naming it and being, well, maybe Ernie and Bert will be at Pride next year. Hope so. They better be the <laughs> parade marshals. Could you imagine on how a throne. fun? God, I would die a thousand deaths if that happened. That would be really great. Wow, wow, wow. Speaking of gay culture. Please. Um, first of all, I'm going to DragCon next week. Pause. Yes. First of all, congrats to RuPaul and the Drag Race team oh, on your Emmys. Emmy. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Everybody say love. Oh, my God. What an incredible night. I was thrilled. Yep. Um, very exciting. I am very nervous about going to DragCon. Why? Because I'm going to go and try to get in RuPaul's booth to take a photo You're with You're going to try to meet RuPaul. So I might Didn't die. Didn't we agree that you shouldn't meet RuPaul? I'm RuPaul doing it and Sarah anyway. Jessica Parker. I feel like, like my no-go? life will be over once I have this baby. I gotta go now. Oh my God, what a dark <laughs> sentiment! You should be sure to tell him that. Like my yeah, life's over. This is it. As of December, I'm just gonna so. go meet God, and then it'll be done. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Um, oh my RuPaul! But let me tell you, I'm listening to a new podcast called Race Chaser. Okay. Which is Willem and Alaska, who are contestants on the show. Okay who talk about the behind the scenes. Ooh. And it's been hard for me to listen because we're, we are peeling back the layers mm-hmm. of the show and Willem does not like RuPaul and he does not like some of his leadership style on the show. And there are some criticisms of queens that come on that will be like, it's interesting because they have a bit of like a chip on their shoulder because they didn't win and they didn't feel seen as their artists and their drag. So they're a little bit like anti and it is very fascinating to like have to check my subconscious bias of like my obsession no, with Rue. No, no. You know he's a human being. It's fine. I do. But it's also interesting to hear about like the production of the show and how wonky it was, especially in the beginning. 
You're really getting a behind. I mean, they, they're going behind the scenes. Well, to cr- to quote RuPaul, uh-huh. what they have to think about him has nothing to it's do with a, him. Yeah, none of none his of business. business. Yeah, well, so we just all have to stay in our lanes. Yeah, but it's a it's a been a fun because uh, I feel like I've watched all the seasons. I don't really know what to do, so now I'm listening to weird yeah, podcasts about the outlet. it. Can you teach me how to death drop? No. Do you know how to death drop? No. Okay. <laughs> It's just like the only thing I want to learn how to do in this life. So I'm going to have to find. drop? Yeah. It just looks. Really? Can you imagine? What a good party trick. Okay. That's maybe not the best idea. I mean, Diana, a Godspeed to you. By my 30th, I want to be able to death drop. That's my goal in my 20s. I'm sure you could Google it. I mean, yeah. There's you a were a ballerina. Can you do a split? Used to be able to, but then I fell into the splits and popped my hips. So. I think you have to. I think a full death drop is a split. Technically, technically it is. But I think you can also do like a one-legged kind of yeah shimmy. Right. We could figure it out. Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah, can yeah, yeah, alter yeah. the choreo. I feel. I don't know if technically you doing a death drop though would count as a death drop. Why? With all due. Why? So I think you have to be like a drag queen. Oh yeah, it's like total. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to, like, tell anyone I can do a death drop. <laughs> you just want to be able to do it in your You'll living room? You'll be my closest friends that know. I understand. Okay. And everyone on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, to all the Bettys out there. I'll um, let you know. Another sad thing that happened to me is, for some reason, Rolling Stone, not coming to my house anymore. What? Guess who's on the cover? All the Riverdale kids. Oh, no. I know. R.I.P. my subscription. What happened to the subscription? No one knows. Oh, my goodness. We don't know how it came. We don't know how it left us. But the only only issue I might actually want to (laughs) read with all my friends in it. Oh, you didn't want to read all of those, like, male savior things that they were publishing for a while? Remember I used to rip the covers off of them? Oh, yeah. You got real vicious with those. I was supportive of it, though, because you weren't paying for it. So it's like, who cares? Well... Well, that's sad. I know. Does Sal like know why it's not coming anymore? We, we don't know where. You never it came knew. From. Okay, it's like a mystery. That maybe been it'll on. come back around during the holidays. It might have been my aunt Chrissy. Like maybe they'll renew it. You should just put out like a. You should start just posting on social media like how should much you I want start to. a crowdfunding campaign? Yeah, so that someone will buy me a Rolling Stone. I mean, I feel like you got used to it. That it's I like can a little... now, but I don't even like it. So would I go through the effort? Why not? What else are you going to be doing? <laughs> that's true um i need to take a moment to be a grumpy gills about a simple favor which is a new movie with anna kendrick and blake lively i know you told me not oh, not great movie so on a scale of one to ten where are we at with it i can't put a number to it because i love every like i love anna kendrick i love blake lively blake lively is so beautiful oh I just want her to be on screen She's forever. She's like a different breed of blonde. She really is. Um, and Henry Golding's in it from Crazy Rich Asians. Really? So it's directed, Good written, produced by Paul Feig. Yeah, to get two movies out in the summer is oh, pretty it's incredible. Paul Feig, eh? I don't like him. What happened here? So it strikes a w- it's a waste of talent, first of all. You have these incredible three actors. and Paul you just Feig didn't... did. He, so he... Um, what I know him from is the Jill McHale show, but he's done like a million other things. Didn't he do the Ghostbusters? Yes. Did he do Bridesmaids? Yes. 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 All right. Like I'm like, like I. Well, of he's course. Done, he's everything. A lot of things. Female led. Um, wasn't great. Well, I saw this movie the day after my wedding, so oh, geez. I was a little emotionally drained. Can you even really process a movie during that time? Absolutely not. I really tried not to text you at all that day because I was like, Diana's brain is not going to be present. I was fine. I was just tired mm-hmm. and like a little maxed out. And I think that this movie, I had such high expectations of it because who's because of who's in it. Yeah. And the trailers were so interesting the way that they like cut them. And it was just so different than anything I had seen. I'm like, I bet this is going to be good because usually when trailers are kind of a mess. It's because they can't tell you what's really going on. They can't tell you what's going on. Got like a telly situation. Right. Exactly. So I was ready for like a big, crazy excursion with the gorgeous unicorn that is Blake Lively and the amazing little 
spitfire that is Anna Kendrick. No, this is a mess. And it's like the writing was bad. It was just a waste. It could have like, I just wanted to tighten it up so much. And having said that, the people Where did I was we go with, wrong? Editing, writing, writing story, writing. everything. It, it wanted to be a dark comedy, but it wasn't funny enough. And then in the moments where it was trying to be feminist, it just kind of fell flat. The whole thing just fell flat. I feel like Paul Feig was really in his head about it, mm. which is unlike him because he's a very intuitive storyteller, as we've seen by the millions of movies that he's been a part of. Um, but yeah, I just I felt like I wanted it to be something it wasn't, which is maybe an issue. Maybe that's a me problem. And I didn't get what it was trying to do. Interesting. People are loving it. Are they? Some people are loving it. Okay. She's been wearing these gorgeous pantsuits to all of the premieres, which is the best part about A Simple Favor are the clothes that she gets to wear. Hmm. Um, she looks spectacular. It's filmed in a mansion in Connecticut, which is cool. But other than that, I wasn't into it. Not for you this I movie. couldn't tell what it was trying to be. I couldn't tell if it was trying to be feminist. I couldn't tell if it was trying to be funny. Parts of it were funny. Parts of it were really bad. It was just very uneven. Yeah. Interesting. I also I also feel like after such a big weekend for you, <laughs> no offense. It was maybe not a great not idea. Not like to question your critical thinking skills, but you're probably you probably would have hated anything that you saw. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I liked like father. <laughs> Which is shocking because you hate Kelsey Grammer. I know. Who Weird. I know. Weird, I need weird, to like weird, do weird. a check. I need to do a check on myself lately. I'm watching great news. I'm House like, husband, Kelsey Grammer. Who knows? House husband. Oh, yeah. But Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. He has a famous limo scene during his divorce. What to happened? Camille. To be Is honest. Is that the one he was cheating on? Uh, yes. Okay. I didn't see the season, but I know that's everyone in the housewives community is like, ugh, this guy. Yeah. Everyone in the world is like, oh, this guy. Let's talk about your cer- wedding ceremony. Oh, yeah. You want to? Sure. We can go. <laughs> I mean, it was like, it was fun. It was. I uh, mean, you've been married, but you had a New York ceremony. Been married, finally had the wedding. It was lovely. We did it up at the Conservatory Garden in Central Park. And then we went to a hotel in Manhattan and partied on the rooftop. It was gorgeous. It was very fun. It was special to me because I haven't been able to go back to Canada for a while. And so having my brothers and my sister-in-law and... My brother's girlfriend in town just like meant the world to me. And it also was so like amazing to see my parents like with them. And I think that was something that was so cool. People talk about this with weddings all the time, but just seeing your worlds collide Mm -hmm. is such a profound thing. Um, I have to highly recommend getting married before your wedding as a way to like mitigate anxiety Mm. because I was not stressed about anything yeah, and yeah. neither were my like neither were our families and I think Amara and I talked about this of just like how great that ended up being that like we could just enjoy the party and enjoy you know the gorgeous weather and the garden and yeah it was it ended up being nice did you have fun I did absolutely <laughs> I told you it was one of my top yeah. favorite weddings I love that you guys you know did the traditional stuff that felt important to you and then you did your own thing I felt like it was a like a lot of times weddings, sometimes the structure of them can be quite overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And I felt like yours had like a really great flow to it and just felt, um, yeah, like a really great party. Amazing. But but had the emotional weight of it too. Like I think your vows were so great. Um, yeah, and I think there were moments that really made it feel like a wedding, even though you guys had been, ha- are married. Yeah, well, yeah, we tried to st- strike a balance and it meant so much to have Kent and to have you there and... Yeah, it was it was really nice. And I wasn't as like hungover afterward, like emotionally as I thought I was going to be. I felt I felt bad for Amir. He jumped right back into like work and everything right away, which I'm pretty sure he's gonna collapse one of these days. Yeah. So or at least just like not leave his room for a full forty eight hours. Um I feel that way about my husband these days. Oh my gosh. These guys are just like He's like gone this weekend. He'll like come home. He'll do freelance. He'll do yeah. band stuff. He wakes up early to do this, to do physical therapy. And I'm like, you're going to at any point, any day now. Yeah. I'm just waiting for it from your mayor. I think he like, he's like, I, he's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm oh, fine. Boy. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. And I'm like, you're not, but that's okay. Just, yeah. I'll I'm that. here for you. 
yeah, it's a lot. But it, uh, yeah, it was a beautiful weekend. It's a big load off to have it done. I'm sure. Um, and to have that release is like so nice. We're going to go to California and I'm going to go give some feminist advice to Hollywood in person. Mm. So I'm knocking on your doors, Warner Brothers and Netflix and Hulu wow. and all of you. Watch out for Diana. I'm coming. Are you, You're changing your last name, right? Eventually, yeah. But there's a whole thing about the passport and the green card and all those having things. to change all of that stuff too. So, Oh my God, are you going to change it at the top of our intro? What do you mean? Oh, and I'm Diana Matthews? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is going to happen like two to 10 years from now. So. What do you, why? Oh my God. So the, so my name on the pass, the name on the passport has to match the name on the green card. Okay. And you hold an impermanent green card for two years. Gotcha. Then you get a permanent green card. So really, I can't feasibly change it for two years. I love that immigration is just a part of this podcast uh-huh. and I need to start People a are blog. taking notes. I know. Everyone's like, here's how to come to Canada. Interesting. Or come so to you're not going to change your name for two years. Can't. I can't really. Interesting. Yeah. Eventually I will, but. So in two years, we'll thing. change the intro to can't our wait. show. Yeah. On our 300th episode. Speaking of Betty's, if you are listening to this right now. Oh, yeah. I didn't even anticipate it. If you're listening to this right now, make sure that you go back an episode or two and listen to our interview with the lovely ladies from Random Acts of Flyness on HBO. It's our 50th episode. We've been doing this podcast for like a year. How can we have done 50 of these? Because we're psychopaths who are workaholics and wow, wow, wow. have just brought Kent into our insane, Nuck. insane insanity, really. Um, so be sure to listen to that. It's one of it's one of my favorite interviews that we've done. Agreed. Yeah, it was incredible. I to mean, to those women. Yeah, so Random Acts of Flyness, check it out, 50th episode. Yay, Woo-hoo! congratulations to to us. <laughs> congratulations <laughs> to you. <laughs> Love it. Anything else on your list? Anything else you want to chat about? Um, I have a couple of things. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Oz on Watch What Happens Live says loneliness is the leading cause of stress. Thanks, Dr. Oz, <laughs> otherwise known as Captain Obvious. I just thought that was such an interesting thought to say of like, but you need your people, you know, you're oh shaking God. your head. You don't think this is revolutionary. I thought that was such an interesting insight. I think when we think about stress, we think about like we're overworked or we're eating bad or we're doing this. I think as a social media culture, we always think we're connected to people and we're not. So we're getting this false sense of security, which I feel like is why kids are more depressed now. We're, we're a creature that needs to be um, with our people. Yeah. I thought that was an insight, yeah, we're Dr. Co- Oz. Oh, my God. I guess not. We're communal beings, and I appreciate that being named. <laughs> well, thanks. Um, also, how gross is Drake for texting this 14-year-old girl? Millie Brown. Millie Billy Brown. <laughs> What's her name? She is a three-parter. Yeah. I know. It's like a weird... It's weird, right? It's disgusting. And people are reporting it like it's like totally normal. And I'm like, what the F is going on? Well, one of the feminist blogs that I follow on Facebook, and I should have taken a screenshot for us, but it basically went through like all of the men throughout like the media that have attached themselves to young women to basically breed them to be their, uh, I don't know what the word is. Concubines not the right word. Um, but to like manipulate them into thinking that they're building a trust. Oh. Like Celine Dion was 14 when her yeah. manager, like all of these stories yeah, yeah. of these men, you know, we know the Woody Allen story obviously is pretty a prevalent one of him, you know, adopting his stepdaughter and then marrying her. Like we have a weird, men in our culture have a weird infatuation with young women and for him to be texting her is so inappropriate. Um, and if, I, I think it's a huge red flag and we should all be like, pump the brakes on this, Drake. You're gross. And he's dating an 18-year-old right now anyway, which is also like grow up maybe. How old is he? 28, 29, 30, somewhere around there. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he's a creep and I don't know how many things he has to do in order for people to like, especially women, stop celebrating him and like stop dancing to all of his music. It's like, he just seems like a real weirdo to me. Mm. But- but people love him, and I think that it's just like a weird, it's a weird thing that we're going to have to go through with Drake, but. We're going to have to keep our eyes on him, though. Yeah. I do not like this situation. I don't like this relationship. Oh, my God. We need to be alert. We need to be vigilant. We need to stop it in its tracks. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I've been saying this about Drake for a while. He's a weirdo. 
Yeah, why don't you like him? Um, he I've just, always been a more Team Kanye person, so I've really been divided, although now my loyalties are quite questioned. I'm like, whoa, can we talk about Kanye going back to Chicago? Wait, can we talk about Kanye on Instagram? <laughs> what happened to Kanye on Instagram? Are you following him on Instagram? Absolutely not. He just got an Instagram. Ken, are you following him? Oh, my God. Guys, get it together. He's he, about to go underground in Chicago. What do you mean underground? He's moving to Chicago. Like literally under the ground. How long do we think till they get divorced? Excuse me? She's not moving to Chicago. That's true. She's not. <laughs> um, Drake. To when is he moving to Chicago? Because he hates Calabasas more than anything. Yeah. Well, there's nothing to do out there, really. Correct. But shoot her show. Oh, my which God. Which she's not in anymore situation. anyway. So It's a real situation. They seem to really love their kids, though. Yeah, I'm sure they do, but interesting. I, who knows what's real there? On a keeping up with the Kardashians, Chloe has to decide if she's going to give the guardianship over to her to Kim or to Cor- or Courtney. Yeah, and she decides to go with Kim. She thinks Kim is the better mother. I mean, Courtney's a nightmare of a human being. So and what a twist, though. It was very interesting because I was thinking Kim probably works so much. Yeah. Courtney really has made it her whole big brand that she's she's a stay at home. And Chloe said, no, no, not with you. The drama. The drama. Anyway, oh, you man. should follow Kanye on Instagram if you want. He does these weird rants that's like basically talking about Kim, actually, and like men's association with her and how they need to like stop talking. Like he talks about Drake. He talks about Mike Tyson. He talks about who's the guy that was married to Mariah Carey? Nick Cannon. He's like, you guys need to like stop talking about my wife. She's a mother and like get over it. She's not a part of your life anymore. Kanye is just an example to me of like, oh, how the mighty have fallen. Wow. And I'm like, what you used to be doing and what you're taking your time with now is incredible. Do you think it's really just, I mean, and we've speculated the death of his mother and him entering into this matriarchal house to like, you know, supplement the love of his mother that he lost. Do you, where do we think oh, Kanye went wrong? I mean, he's a raging narcissist. So uh-huh, uh-huh. I think that there's just a lot of, a lot of that. I think it's, he's gone through a lot of trauma and he's, you know, a narcissist who has to always be right and has to always be like in the spotlight. And I think that's going to corrode. He's probably going to yell at us for this podcast because he definitely has a Google alert on his name. So well, we we'll, we'll be sure to put it in the comments so that he can find us. Kanye, if you want to come on and talk to us, you're not invited. Interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I think fame is such a fascinating. I can't wait for Cheryl Strait. Is she ever going to release that oh, book about man. fame? Oh man, I almost feel bad for even having named that. You know what Lady Ga- like- You know what Lady Gaga once said about fame? She said the most insane thing is that you don't change everybody around you. Yeah, changes yeah. Their relationship to you. Yeah. What a thing to undergo and Incredible. to not be able to process. Really incredible. You probably need like ten therapists to get through being like an actual celebrity. And also, just like, what are you famous for? How did it become about? Are you actually talented, or are you famous for nothing? Like, What's there's a lot going on there. Yeah, that's the thing. Wow. What are you excited for? What's coming up for you? Well, I'm also watching another garbage show oh. called uh, Evan and Ashley, or Ashley oh, and Evan, God. on <laughs> with Ashley Simpson. <laughs> Where do we go from here? Actually, Ken and I had quite a conversation about this show. Ken, are you watching? On the way to your no, reception. No, watching. Um, no, just I, I watched Ashley Simpson's show in college when I was when it was on MTV. Ashley or Jessica? Ashley. Ashley had her own show? Yes, yeah, she did, girlfriend. That's what I said. Holy shit. Okay. So I think it's fun to watch I'm her. I'm coming from way behind on this. I'm, I think it's fun to watch her on TV again. And then they did this whole thing with Diana Ross where they go to her, Diana Ross's house and they're in her recording studio and they play a song for her. And Evan and his, her son is very nervous. This is Diana Ross. I'm showing my mother the song we wrote together. Whoa. And Diana starts to tear up and is like, it's beautiful. And there's such a beautiful moment. You're rolling your eyes. Don't. I cannot. It was just like awesome. And Diana Ross is just like this being that everyone just looks at. And Tracy Ellis Ross was in the episode. And Holy maybe moly. I really just want a show about the Ross yeah, family. Yeah, I'm like, come on. We need to get a Ross TV show. Speaking of, Netflix has a documentary called Quincy Out that was directed by Rashida Jones, produced by Rashida Jones. I've heard of it. And uh, Alan Hicks. And I literally cannot wait to watch this documentary. When does it come out? Do we know? It's out. It's out out? now. It came out uh, the end of September. Um, 
But yeah, I, I just am so excited. We have Oprah in the trailer being like, oh, you guys know Quincy Jones like discovered me, right? And we have like Kendrick Lamar. I mean, Michael Jackson, Diana Ross, like everybody is in it. And it's such a love letter to her father. The reviews coming out about it are amazing. I think what I love so much about the early promotion for Quincy is that it's the community, like the music community coming forward and like saying their own experiences and why they love the film. And it just feels so personal and loving. And I can't wait to watch. Amazing. Yeah. Also, Sabrina. We haven't talked about Sabrina yet. But Sabrina the Teenage Witch is coming to Netflix, and the teaser trailer looks phenomenal. Oh, so you're against nostalgia, but you're down for Sabrina? It doesn't feel nostalgic to me because they're remaking it Mm -hmm. into a different thing. She's like ahead of a coven, and it's like her 16th birthday. Okay. What is happening? (laughs) Oh, my god! I'm always down for some witchcraft. Well, we're about to get real witchy. Love it. I'm excited for all of our favorite shows to come back in the fall. I feel like we're in a weird zone where Netflix also just keeps releasing like 100 things a day. And I'm like, I don't know what I should watch. I know. I don't know where I'm going. I go by you. You always tell me what to watch. And I'm like, I'm into it. You do the work for me. I don't think there's, have I been doing it though? Other than great news, have I discovered anything? Yeah, you've you've pitched a few things my way. There's that, those weird design shows that are now on there you can watch. I don't know. Good things are coming. For sure. It's the season. I've got, I'm starting to watch the Dallas Housewives. That's where I'm at because I'm like, I don't know what to watch. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm going to nap until Star is Born comes out <laughs> <laughs> so I can be emotionally and mentally prepared to receive it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for all the things. Amazing. Cool. Well, thanks for chatting, Diana. Uh, Bettys, if you have reviews, you have thoughts, you have feminist thoughts, you want us to talk about a TV show, you got notes, you want to recommend us to watch something, we'd love some suggestions. We're in a weird zone right now with TV. Um, you can email us at beavertalkpodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you're not following Diana and I on Instagram, that's the least you could do, really, <laughs> if you're not going to rate and review us on iTunes. But if you do, I will give you a tarot card reading. And I will say we've had like five people rate the podcast, but not write the comments. If you want a reading, you got to write a comment. You got to get those comments in, ladies. So write the comment and uh, I will do a special uh, Calico Cat reading. Amazing. Just for you. And thank you, Kent, for spending every Wednesday with us. And happy Feminist Wednesday. Yay. Attention Springwood, my name is Josh Krebs. And I'm Liz Richards. And we're the hosts of Bloody Date Night. So Josh and I have been dating for four years, and Josh loves horror movies, and I hate him. Yeah, so each episode we go through the horror movie franchise canon to watch an episode and then meet up and we discuss it together. And so far it's been going pretty well, right Liz? I think it's gone pretty well so far. Yeah, each episode I try to see how far I can push Liz to watch a really good horror movie until she basically leaves me and it hasn't worked yet. Not yet. And it's awesome because you're the Tatum to my Sydney. You're sweet. And here's a clip from one of our recent episodes. Hello, I'm Exposition. Hey, let me t- let me tell you what just happened. There's a break-in at this costume store. Somebody stole some ropes, some knives. Somebody stole a mask. They stole $250. <laughs> they scared a cat. They took two boas. They took two boas. Two feather boas, one uh, set of angel wings. It's one of those goddamn... They're probably having a burlesque. <laughs> probably doing a burlesque show later. I don't know. Oh, Haddonfield. What isn't happening? <laughs> Haddonfield's first burlesque. Burlesque club. That'd be amazing. I would love that. Um, the Lacey Pumpkin. The la- Ooh. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production. Hey!